free history show streaming, and a download of our daily show ad-free. That's what you get for all of 22 cents a day when you join us as a member MedHead Plus. This is one of the great deals available to uh, try to enhance appreciation for this greatest nation on God's green earth. Check it out at michaelmedved.com or medvedhistorystore.com. And now, your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day, another great week in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It is the last week, the last full week before the beginning of the actual voting for President of the United States. Yes, there will be voters who are gathered one week from tonight in Iowa. And uh, it is expected that President Trump would be a very big winner in Iowa. If he is not, then uh, it changes the world and the nature of the campaign. Does it also change the nature of the campaign that President Trump has fearlessly plunged into the midst of the great civil war debate? Why all of a sudden, uh, as if we don't have enough problems in the country right now and enough problems around the world in Ukraine and in Gaza and uh, in Lebanon now, where there was a very successful Israeli strike taking out one of the world's most powerful and accomplished terrorists who uh, just got to achieve the martyrdom that he's been saying he longs for. Is this going to expand the war, or is Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State, who is in the midst of a uh, very complicated tour of the Middle East, he has uh, uh, working to try to implement some kind of cessation of hostilities and some kind of progress toward peace. We will talk about that on the Michael Medved Show. Uh, there are also a dramatic here in Seattle, where I'm broadcasting from, uh, and around the country in Los Angeles at a, uh, a hallowed ground, a veteran cemetery uh, that has been there for more than 100 years. And that veteran cemetery trashed by pro-Palestinian protesters, pro-Hamas protesters. We will be covering that. They also interrupted President Biden today in church. What was President Biden doing in church? He was giving a speech to the congregation at the uh, famous uh, historic black church in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, where Dylan Roof, a uh, neo-Confederate white supremacist uh, murderer, killed nine people at Bible study, if you recall that. So today, no one was killed, thank God. No one was fired weapons, but uh, pro-Hamas protesters uh, interrupted uh, Joe Biden. We will play that for you and how that went. And what what is going on here, really, with, I mean, okay, I understand uh, Nikki Haley stumbled into a, a foolish answer to a question of what caused the Civil War. And this is not a trick question. It's not a complicated question. She should have answered directly and simply, which she now does. But now 
President Trump uh, has answered as if the Civil War were like the war in Ukraine. You've heard him say many, many times that if he becomes president again, he can end the war in Ukraine in 24 hours. And uh, uh, some skeptics say, yeah, which would mean surrendering Ukraine to Putin. But, uh, okay, I understand it's perfectly appropriate for people who are running for president right now to spend time on talking about Gaza or talking about Ukraine or talking about the possibility of needing to protect Taiwan. But what is this this deal with digging back into the Civil War and President Trump explaining how he could easily have negotiated his way out of the Civil War and just that uh, doddering old guy with the top hat, as President Trump describes him, Abraham Lincoln, he he just couldn't handle it as well as a, a master politician like Donald Trump could. Uh, 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Uh, first of all, this explosion of Palestinian uh, pro-Hamas demonstrators all around the country. Uh, the uh, Here in Seattle on Saturday, uh, the, uh, the freeway, I-5 downtown, which is really one of those choke points in traffic, the freeway was held up uh, for five hours because they flooded it with demonstrators. And even though they had an order and they were told by cops they had an order to withdraw, they stayed there. Uh, and it's just uh, the, the way it was covered on King 5, uh, they report that um, WASDOT, uh, the Washington State Department of Transportation, said the traffic backup on I-5 grew to about six miles on Saturday afternoon. Protesters calling for a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war shut down all northbound Interstate 5 lanes in downtown Seattle on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the freeway reopened after about five hours. As of 5 p.m., all the protesters had left the freeway, though 12 vehicles were abandoned by drivers during the hours-long backup. Imagine if you were one of those drivers. You're going to, this is something that's going to persuade you to support the uh, protesters' cause, is it? At 3.40 p.m., Washington State Patrol, with the assistance of the Seattle Police Department, issued a dispersal order for protesters to leave the freeway. Uh, all northbound lanes were blocked between I-90 and Mercer Street. Uh, according to the Washington Department of Transportation, all traffic was being diverted onto eastbound Interstate 90. In other words, it was a mess. And if you look at the picture, big, proud Palestinian flag, this is the way it was covered on King 5 TV. Uh, clip 4, listen. Saturday afternoon, protesters calling for a ceasefire in Gaza and a stop to U.S. aid to Israel blocked all northbound lanes on I-5 in downtown Seattle. Shortly after 1 in the afternoon, I-5 northbound from Mercer Street to I-90 came to a standstill, at one point causing a six-mile backup. 
leaving some who live near the protest worried. Oh, I work on on-call, so I'm always being dispatched. So if I'm dispatched tonight, I have no way of getting to work. Major traffic issues stretch across Seattle, even impacting people who live in surrounding cities trying to make it to the metro. A lot of frustration. Which is understandable, but I mean, we got to be understandable on both sides. We do want a peaceful protest. Washington State Patrol, along with Seattle Police, issued two dispersal orders to protesters. But it wasn't until 4.30 that they cleared the highway. But according to Washington State Patrol, 12 abandoned vehicles were left behind, continuing to block all northbound lanes. With washout crews having to tow and impound the cars. Shortly after 6 p.m., the highway back over. Okay, again, uh, if there's anybody out there listening who was caught in this thing and you have feelings about it, why why is it not possible uh, with a, 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 literally one of America's major cities being shut down? And yes, I understand it was a Saturday. And no, the uh, Seahawks didn't play until Sunday, so people were missing the game. But uh, it's just when when you look at this, there weren't that many demonstrators. This was not a group of thousands. It was a group of a few hundred, maybe. And why could those people not be arrested and cleared away? It, It is completely outrageous. And by the way, similarly outrageous, or actually more outrageous, uh, protesters spray-painted Free Gaza and other slogans, pro-Hamas slogans, on the entrance to the memorial at the Los Angeles National Cemetery. This is a war veteran cemetery in Westwood uh, near UCLA. It's... uh, uh, holy ground. It is sacred ground for American war heroes trashed by pro-Hamas demonstrators. So what happened today with uh, Joe Biden and his encounter with demonstrators? We'll get to that and much more coming up on the Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776 The Michael Medved Show. Presidents, wars, electoral landslides, Middle East conflicts, third parties, the Constitution, the founding, the revolution. That's all covered in special MedVed history programs, which can be yours free. You also get the ability to hear the show anytime you want and commercial free. MedHead Plus membership at our website. Go to michaelmedved.com. Look for the banner and a special offer, 20% off, limited time. The Michael Medved Show. And uh, there was some controversy about the demonstration that's literally stopped traffic right in uh, the very center of downtown Seattle. And that was on Saturday. And uh, the pro-Hamas demonstrators uh, actually handed out a flyer that explained that the protesters felt called to act in the belly of the beast of empire, particularly in Seattle, which is home to, quote, genocide enablers such as Boeing, Microsoft, and Google. Uh, in addition to apologizing for any inconvenience, 
The flyer also thanked the drivers and said, quote, you are contributing to a story that people of conscience all over the world will not stand idly by. Well, actually, they do stand idly by because they were frozen in their cars. I mean, people had to abandon their cars. They uh, will not stand idly by while others are massacred. Uh, drivers had mixed reactions to the demonstration. Okay, I know it's Seattle, and it's supposed to be uh, going back to the old ideas of CHOP, the Capitol Hill Organized Protest, or CHAZ, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Uh, it's supposed to be like a separate republic that doesn't include any normal people, only people on the extreme left. But... I don't really believe drivers had mixed reactions to the demonstration. I think that yeah, reactions, my very strong guess would be, were overwhelmingly negative. Uh, they report, however, in The Stranger, uh, the alternative, traditional alternative newspaper in Seattle for many, many years. It says one driver flashed a fist in solidarity with the protesters as they marched down Olive Way. Um, Okay, so he flashed a fist. One driver, they said. Other drivers sat in their cars, visibly bored and mildly annoyed. Do you think if it were you, you would be just mildly annoyed? Uh, really? Others came out to yell at the organizers. Now, that sounds more like it. That sounds more like a normal and actually healthy reaction. Now, I, I mentioned also at the same weekend... They uh, pro-Hamas demonstrators in uh, Southern California, in West Los Angeles, Westwood, actually. They um, pro-Palestinian protesters defated, uh, defaced the Los Angeles National Cemetery on Sunday. This is a national burial space. It's owned by the federal government where more than 80,000 veterans of World War One, World War Two, the Vietnam War, and more are laid to rest. It's actually a very beautiful and very moving location. I I know the location well because my mom used to work, may she rest in peace, used to work right near there, the Veterans Administration Hospital, which is very close to this huge cemetery. The protesters spray-painted the grounds the hallowed grounds of this veterans cemetery, war veterans cemetery. And uh, they spray painted free Gaza and they chanted long live Palestine. There is only one solution, Intifada revolution from the river to the sea. Palestine will be free and Biden, Biden, you're a liar. That, according to video footage of the event, hundreds of protesters held signs that read, Ceasefire now, stop bombing Gaza, end the occupation now, stop the genocide, and one sign read, Zionist equals Nazi. The uh, protest attack Boulevard, which is between Interstate 405 and Glendon Avenue on Sunday afternoon, more proof, uh, proof uh, that the people who hate Israel also hate America, said Congressman Brad Sherman. He's a Democrat. He's a strong supporter of Israel, though.
That's what he said on X. Here at the Los Angeles National Cemetery, in my district, they deface a cemetery for those who gave their lives to end slavery and protect the world from fascism. And uh, it, it is appalling, and this is happening everywhere. And uh, a statement from the people who organized this, uh, again, traffic-stopping demonstration, cemetery-defacing demonstration, what they said is, uh, we are demonstrating here to mark three months of the genocide in Gaza, which has taken the lives of 22,000-plus souls in 92 days. One mass protester who also wore sunglasses told Key News Network, what we're standing in front of right now is the federal building, which is the closest monument to the United States federal government, which currently is spending billions a year to support Israel's genocidal campaign on the people of Palestine. And uh, they went on, um, protesters stateside have joined together at various other U.S. landmarks to decry U.S. support for Israel, including in Washington, D.C., where protesters plan to storm the National Holocaust Museum. Lovely. That event was uh, canceled after social media outcry. Uh, And in New York, where protesters did disrupt New Year's Eve celebrations in Manhattan, in London, protesters called for a ceasefire and blocked a bridge outside the British Parliament on Saturday. Uh, They point out that 14 Medal of Honor recipients are buried at the Los Angeles Cemetery, as are more than 100 Buffalo soldiers. That was that elite black unit, African-American soldiers who served in a black regiment in the uh, uh, beginning in the late 1800s. At its founding in 1888, the memorial cared for disabled Union veterans of the Civil War, according to the National Park Service. Okay, uh, coming up, we have uh, the... um, pro-Palestinian protesters interrupting the president of the United States. Not the former president, this is the current president who's up for re-election. But uh, President Biden was speaking uh, at the church, historic church in Charleston, South Carolina, which is one of the oldest black churches in continuous use in the country. It's the uh, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. And uh, he was interrupted and had a polite exchange with some of the protesters. Uh, We'll play that for you. Uh, Coming up, we'll be speaking with A.B. Stoddard about the real stakes in this election and much more here on The Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. That's 1-800-955-1776. One of the things that is most striking about the subject we've been talking about so far, which is the outbreak of pro-Hamas demonstrations around the world, 
the kind of people who uh, obviously uh, glorify the work of murderers, rapists, torturers, hostage takers, uh, child killers, uh, um, child mutilators. I mean, the unspeakable hideous brutality of the Hamas attack, which started this entire thing. There was no Israeli provocation to uh, what happened on October 7th. It's, uh, they just selected that day, apparently, because that was a day of a major Jewish holiday. And they were trying to follow the example of the Yom Kippur war attack, which was also out of the clear blue sky. And uh, the, the amazing thing here is with all of these chants that have been heard, have been recorded, we played many of them for you. Have you ever heard any of these demonstrators chant, Bring the hostages home. Send the hostages home. Anything like that? There's still about 150, uh, and they are mostly Israelis. There are some Americans who are being held in God knows what kind of conditions and what kind of mistreatment by the Hamas terrorists. It's, uh, it's an unbelievable thing. You have all of these people gather and nowhere, not a sign, not a banner, not anything saying cease fire now and bring the hostages home. And, and the answer to that is because if they want a ceasefire, that's all they would need to do. Israel and all of the spokespeople, including the prime minister himself, have made it clear that uh, they will install and institute another ceasefire if they have a commitment that part of that ceasefire will be to get the hostages home. No, but you, you hear nothing about that because uh, Israeli lives, and I guess American lives, uh, don't matter to these particular protesters. Uh, here's what it sounded like this morning. President Biden was down in South Carolina talking about the dangers of white supremacy, white nationalism, and which had infected Dylan Roof, the killer at that church, at the uh, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. And uh, you'll hear President Biden being interrupted by pro-Palestinian protesters who were not apparently members of the church, but it sounded like this. If you really care about the lives lost here, you should honor the lives lost That's all right. 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 Four more years, they don't mean four more years of war, God forbid. 
Uh, here is President uh, Biden responding to this ruckus that interrupted his speech at the church. Listen. I understand it. I understand their passion. And I've been quietly working. I've been quietly working with the Israeli government to get them to reduce and significantly get out of Gaza. I'm using all that I can to do. But I understand the passion. Uh, okay. Uh, again, uh, President Biden getting applause for saying he understands the passion. Uh, David from uh, San Francisco, you're on the Michael Medved Show. Yeah, hi, Michael. Uh, Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Yeah, I, I uh, am, uh, you know, I certainly uh, uh, have some support for Israel in its origins, but at this point, it's gotten uh, so deadly over in Gaza, it's pretty clear that uh, there are corporations that are cashing in on this war, and they don't want it to stop. And when the Zionists, uh, you know, they, their pretense is that they support the Ten Commandments, they abide by the Ten Commandments. Do the corporations uh, have to abide by the Ten Commandments? Well, again, all of humanity is uh, ideally supposed to abide by the Ten Commandments, and <laughs> corporations are humane. Let me, let me mention something to you. I, I know something about Israel and the economy of Israel. It, the war is a disaster economically. Uh, nobody is making money on this war. Uh, oh, sure in Israel, they have 360,000 people who have been called up on the reserves. That means 360,000 people in a nation of about 10 million where uh, they you don't have enough people to fill the jobs. Uh, you don't have enough people to keep the economy going. Now, one of the things that uh, I, I've talked to my brother who's lived in Israel for many, many years and is a, a prominent business person over there. The, the premise that you have, David, that someone is making money on this, um, can, let me ask you this. Uh, if, if it was your family that was on a, uh, uh, a morning in October, uh, suddenly rooted out of their home, shot out, with uh, the children mutilated, people being taken, uh, and, and whole homes, whole neighborhoods being destroyed in southern Israel, what would, what would you expect your government to do? What do you think would happen if, if someone from Mexico, say, came across the border into the U.S. and did that kind of killing spree anywhere in the United States? Well, it's funny you mention that because apparently Netanyahu did pretty much zero for the first eight hours, right? There were warnings a solid year in advance, but uh, the day it happened. No, no, this is completely this is completely untrue. Uh, there were of the twelve hundred people who were killed, uh, about two hundred were military personnel. 
who had been rushed to the scene. Uh, were they woefully unprepared? They were woefully unprepared. Is the prime minister responsible? He is. He is the guy in charge. And uh, it's one of the reasons that uh, almost surely when there is some kind of pause in this war or when the war is completed, I think it's unlikely that Netanyahu will continue in power. But the idea that uh, that there was anything to be gained, by the way, do you think that it it helped Netanyahu politically to have this war begin? Do you think that makes him more popular or less so? You there, David? The people can't get rid of an emergency government, right? But yes, they can. They, again, they they won't at the moment. But the idea that somehow this was politically manipulated, or that Netanyahu wanted his his own uh, people to be murdered and mass, David, <laughs> not real. Uh, we will be right back on the Medved Show. Your daily dose of debate. It's the Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, more about the uh, uh, speech by President Biden, who is uh, uh, apparently, uh, according to many, many sources, uh, genuinely worried about his reelection prospects. That's why he had that uh, dramatic speech, passionate speech near Valley Forge, uh, Pennsylvania. And, uh, and why he made this big speech, uh, today about, uh, white supremacy. And he's speaking at a, uh, a scene that showed some of the, the profound evil of white supremacist ideas and, uh, talking about in Charleston, South Carolina. And here's what, uh, President Biden said about uh, that 2015 racist massacre at that Charleston church. Listen. On June 17, 2015, the beautiful souls, five survivors and five survivors, invited a stranger into this church to pray with them. The word of God was pierced by bullets and hate and rage, propelled by not just gunpowder, but by a poison, poison that has for too long haunted this nation. What is that poison? White supremacy. Oh, it is. It's a poison throughout our history. It's ripped this nation apart. It says no place in America. Not today, tomorrow, or ever. And uh, then he... Uh... He also spoke a little bit about the Civil War. All the other candidates are doing it, so Biden joins in. Uh, he actually uh, had a uh, bit of a dig at uh, Nikki Haley, and uh, and he compared her hesitation and saying that slavery was the primary cause of the Civil War. Uh, he compared that to something else that's in the news recently. This is clip 13. After the Civil War, 
the defeated Confederates couldn't accept the verdict of the war. They had lost. So they say they embraced what's known as the lost cause, a self-serving lie that the Civil War is not about slavery, but about states' rights. They've called that the noble cause. That was a lie, a lie that had not just a lie, but terrible consequences. It brought on Jim Crow. So let me be clear for those who don't seem to know, slavery was the cause of the Civil War. There's no negotiation about that. Now, now we're living in an era of a second lost cause. Once again, there's some in this country trying, trying to turn a loss into a lie. A lie which, if allowed to live, will once again bring terrible damage to this country. This time, the lie is about the 2020 election. The election which you made, your voice is heard and your power known. Just two days ago, we marked the third anniversary of the dark, one of the darkest days in American history, January the 6th, the day in which insurrectionists stormed the United States Capitol, trying for the first time in American history to stop the peaceful transfer of power in the country. We all saw with our own eyes the truth of what happened. That violent mob was whipped up by lies from a defeated former president. And uh, he uh, also had more to say about that defeated former president uh, who had made some recently controversial uh, comments about the uh, shooting in Perry, Iowa, the high school shooting in Perry, Iowa, uh, where a sixth grader was killed and the principal was severely injured. Here's President Biden. Just a few days ago, the defeated former president was asked about the recent shooting in Iowa. Did you hear this one? It's hard to believe. You know what his response was? All those kids dead? We have to get over it. End of quote. I promise you, we have to get over it. My response is, we have to stop it. So your children, your family, your friends can leave your home, walk the streets, go to stores, go to the grocery store, and go to church to be safe from gun violence. There's no excuse for this carnage. Okay, and uh, a part of uh, the other controversy that... uh, President Trump has helped to provoke recently was, and I don't know how he even got into this subject, but he he had his own gaffe to go along with Nikki Haley's uh, about the Civil War. But it's so strange. And if someone wants to try to psychoanalyze this and tell me what he was thinking, you think, you, you can tell me. But here is... Uh, President Trump talking about how he would have handled the Civil War. A clip Ted. If you take a look, I mean, the wars, I don't know what it is. The Civil War was so fascinating, so horrible, was so horrible, but so fascinating. It was, uh, I don't know, it was just different. I just find it, I'm so attracted to seeing it. So many mistakes were made. See, there was something I think could have been negotiated, to be honest with you. I think you could have negotiated that. It was just such a, 
you know, sort of a horrible time. But that's, I was thinking to myself, because I was uh, reading something, and I said, this is something that could have been negotiated, you know? And it was just for all those people to die, and they died viciously. That was a vicious, vicious war. And uh, in many ways, look, they're all this... Nothing nice about it, but boy, that was a that was a tough one for our country. But I think it's uh, you know Abraham Lincoln. Of course, if you negotiated it, you probably wouldn't even know who Abraham Lincoln was. Uh, he would have been president, but he would have been president. He would have been he wouldn't have been the Abraham Lincoln. Would have been different, but that would have been okay. Okay, can somebody tell me what he's thinking? Uh he and and uh, again, uh, Liz Cheney, who is not a terrific fan of uh, President Trump, um, she um, she put up on X uh, at her account. Uh, she said, "Which part of the Civil War could have been negotiated? The slavery part, the secession part, whether Lincoln should have preserved the Union." Question for members of the GOP, writes Liz Cheney. The party of Lincoln, who have endorsed Donald Trump, how can you possibly defend this? Um, what's, what's interesting is there's a famous, famous essay, uh, which uh, I haven't been reading recently, but I remembered very, very vividly from college by Arthur Schlesinger Jr., who was an aide also to President Kennedy. And talking about the Civil War and the tremendous attempts by Lincoln and others to, yes, negotiate something, some kind of compromise. There was a uh, a bill that had been introduced in the Senate called the Crittenden Compromise, which would have actually protected slavery as an institution where it existed. It would have uh, slowed, at least, the spread of slavery into the Western states, but it would protected slavery in the slave states. Lincoln uh, opposed that firmly and strongly. And but the the other willingness to negotiate that was the whole theme of his first inaugural address. And uh, the the point that uh, Arthur Schlesinger Jr. made in his a famous essay on the coming of the Civil War is he said it was like World War II, which they had just lived through at the time that he wrote this piece, that there are some times in human history where you have what Schlesinger called a moral logjam, where things are just so phenomenally different in the way you see the world that it's not really possible to, to quote, compromise. So what are you going to just uh, free a few of the slaves, but let slavery stand? And uh, Lincoln was not an abolitionist, but he was anti-slavery. And he believed that stopping the growth of slavery and the spread of slavery would eventually destroy the entire what was called the peculiar institution. Um, <laughs> and I, here's the question. What Trump says he was reading about the Civil War. Uh, Mr. Trump, can you tell us the name of the book you were reading? Uh, what, 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 were you reading my book? Were you reading The American Miracle? Uh, I, I would love to hear that. And if someone has a suggestion what that book might have been, 
It's fascinating in this greatest nation on God's green earth.